0: Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to another broadcast of the Urban Shaman Speaks. I am the Urban Shaman, Alex Rutland, coming to you from whatever time, whatever space, you're in right now, wherever you might be, because time is an illusion. Continuing with the Neruda interviews, interview one, part three. At this point. Sarah and Dr. Naruda had taken about a 15-minute break, and the interview now resumes. Sarah starts out with this question: If the Labyrinth Group has four of the five technologies ready to go, and it's only awaiting the interactive, the interactive part, they must have scenario models and intervention points already established for how they plan to deal with this animus race. Do they? Yes, they have about 40 scenario models, and perhaps as many as 8 intervention points to find. And if there are that many, there must be a priority established. What's the most probable scenario model? I will be brief on this point because it's such classified information that only the SL-14 personnel and 15 know this. My classification is SL-13. And so I get diluted reports and quite possibly misinformation with regards to our scenario modeling. About all I can tell you is that what we know from both the prophecies and our remote viewing technology, a significant amount of information about this race. For example, we know that it hails from a galaxy that our Hubble telescope has examined as thoroughly as possible, and we've charted it as extensively as possible. We know that it's 37 million light-years away, and that the species is a synthetic race, a mixture of genetic creation and technology. It possesses a hive mentality, but individual initiative is still appreciated as long as it is aligned with the explicit objectives of its leaders. Because it's a synthetic race, it can be produced in a controlled environment, and its population can be increased or decreased depending on the whims of its leaders. It is... Didn't you just say that it's from a galaxy that's 37 million light-years away? I mean, assuming they were able to travel at the speed of light, it would take them 37 million years to come to our planet. And, and you said earlier that they hadn't even crossed into our galaxy yet, right? The Cordium come from a planet that is 15 million light-years away, and yet they can come and go between their planet and our planet in the time it takes us to travel to the moon a mere 250,000 miles away. Time is not linear, nor is space. Space is curved, as your physicists have recently learned, but it can be artificially curved through displacement energy fields that collapse space and the illusion of distance. Light particles do not displace or collapse space. They ride a linear line through space. But there are forms of electromagnetic energy that can modify or collapse space. And this technology makes space travel, even between galaxies, not only possible, but also relatively easy. Why did you just say you're a physicist just then? <laughs> I apologize. It's just a part of the conditioning of being isolated from mainstream society. When you operate for 30 years in a secret organizations like the Labyrinth Group, you tend to look at your fellow humans as not your fellow humans, but as something else. The principles of science that the Labyrinth Group has embraced are very different from those taught within your, there I go again, within our universities. Mm, I must be getting tired. Well, I didn't mean to criti- criticize you. It's just the way you said it. It sounded as though an alien or an outsider said it. I qualify as an outsider, but certainly not an alien. Okay. Back to this prophecy of or alien race. What do they want? I mean, why travel such a far distance to rule Earth? This seems such a funny question to me. Excuse me for laughing. It's just that humans do not understand how special Earth is. It is truly, as planets are concerned, a special planet. It has such a tremendous biodiversity and a complex range of ecosystems. Its natural resources are unique and plentiful, It's a genetic library that's the equivalent to a galactic zoo. The the animus desire to own this planet in order to own its genetics. As I've already mentioned, this is a synthetic race, a species that can clone itself and fabricate more and more of its population to serve the purpose of its colonization program. However, it desires more than the expansion of its empire. It desires to become a soul carrier, something reserved for pure biological organisms. Synthetic organisms are not able to carry the high frequencies of, of a soul, which absolutely require an organic nervous system. So they want a soul. They want to expand throughout the universe and develop their organic nature through genetic reengineering. They want to become soul carriers in order to achieve immortality. They also want to prove what they already believe, that they are superior to all other pure organics. So where are they right now? The Animus? Yes. I assume they remain in their home world. To the best of our knowledge, their probes haven't crossed into our galaxy yet. And when they arrive, how will the ACIO or Labyrinth Group know? As I said, the ACIO has already done a significant amount of intelligence gathering and even selected scenarios and intervention points. So what's the plan? The most logical approach would be to travel to the time and place where the causal thought was born to explore the Milky Way and, through MRP, expunge it from the memory of the race, essentially convince them that of all the wonderful life-inhabited galaxies, the Milky Way is a poor choice. The Labyrinth Group would implant a memory that would lead this race to conclude that our galaxy was not worthy of their serious exploration. So some other galaxy becomes our next target? Wouldn't we bear the responsibility of their next conquest? Aren't we then perpetrators ourselves? This is a fair question, but I'm afraid I don't know how to answer it. Why couldn't we, using this MRP technology, simply implant a memory not to be aggressive, to tell this race to stop trying to colonize new worlds that aren't theirs to own like property? Why couldn't we do this? Perhaps we will. I don't really know what 15 has in mind. I am, though, confident in his approach and its efficacy. But you said earlier that you fear for your life, that Fifteen's probably trying to hunt you down even as we speak. Why are you so confident in his sense of morality? In the case of Fifteen, morality doesn't really play a role. He operates in his own code of ethics, and I don't pretend to understand them all, but I'm quite certain of his mission to avert takeover by this alien race. And I'm equally confident that he will choose the best intervention point with the least influence to the animus. It's the only way we can acquire BST, and he knows this. We're back to God again, aren't we? Yes. So God and 15 have this all figured out. There's no certainty, if that's what you mean. And there's no alliance between 15 and God, at least not that I'm aware of. This is part of the belief system that the Labyrinth Group formalized along the path to developing BST. It's logical to us that God is all-powerful and all-knowing because it operates as a universal mind minefield that interpenetrates that inter- all life, all time, all space, all energy, and all existence. This consciousness is impartial, but certainly it's in a position to deny things, or perhaps more accurately, delay their acquisition. If God exists everywhere, as you say, then why wouldn't he stop this marauding alien race and keep them in their place? Again, a fair question, but one that I can't answer. I can only tell you that the God I believe in is, as I said before, impartial, meaning that it allows its creation to express themselves as a desire. At the highest level where God operates, all things have a purpose, even aggressive species that desire to dominate other species and planets. It was 15's belief that God orchestrated nothing but understood everything in the universal mind. Remember when I was talking about the galactic mind? Yes. There are planetary minds, solar minds, galactic minds, and a single universal mind. The universal mind is the mind of God. Each galaxy has a collective consciousness or mind field that is the aggregation of all the species present within that galaxy. The universal mind creates the initial blueprint for each of the galaxies related to its galactic mind or composite consciousness. This initial blueprint creates the predisposition of the genetic code seated within a galaxy. We, the labyrinth group, believe that God designed each galaxy's genetic code with a different set of predispositions or behaviors. And why would this be so? So diversity is amplified across the universe, which in turn permits God to experience the broadest continuum of life. Why is this so important? Because God loves to experiment and devise new ways of experiencing life in all of its dimensions. This may very well be the purpose of the universe. You know you're talking like a preacher. You speak like these are certainties or truths that are just self-evident, but they're just beliefs, aren't they? Yes, they're beliefs, but beliefs are important, don't you think? I'm not sure. I mean, my beliefs are changing every day. They're not stable or anchored in some deep truth that's constant like bedrock or something. Well, that's good. I mean that they change. The Labyrinth Group evolved a very specific set of beliefs. Some of these were based on our experiences as a result of the cordium Intelligence Enhancement Technologies. Some were based from ancient texts that we, we studied, and some were borrowed from our ET contacts. So now you're going to tell me our friendly neighborhood ETs are religious zealots? No. No, I don't mean that they were trying to convert us to their beliefs. We simply asked they related them to us. Upon hearing them, they seemed quite a bit more like science than religion, actually. I think that's the nature of a more evolved species. They finally figure out that science and religion converges into cosmology. That understanding the universe in which we live also causes us to understand ourselves— which is the purpose of religion and science, or at least it should be. Okay, this is getting a little too philosophical for my taste. Can we return to the question about the wingmakers? If, as you say, there's a galactic federation that governs the Milky Way, how do the wingmakers factor into this federation? Hmm, I'm impressed by the nature of your questions, and I wish I could answer them all, but here again, I don't know the answer. But if you can use your remote viewing technology to eavesdrop on this alien race in an entirely different galaxy, why can't you observe the Federation? As for the Federation, they're fully aware of our remote viewing capability. And in fact, we can eavesdrop on the Federation because they're able to detect our presence if we observe them through remote viewing. So in deference to their privacy and trusting their agenda, we never impose our technology on the Federation. Well, perhaps only once or twice. You'll have to forgive me, Dr. Neruda, but I find all of this a little hard to believe. We've skimmed the surface of about a hundred different subjects through the course of this interview, and I keep coming back to the same basic issue. Why? Why would the universe be set up this way, and no one on Earth knows about it? Why all the secrecy? Does someone think we humans are so stupid that we couldn't understand it? And who the hell is this somebody? Unfortunately, there are so many conspiracies to keep this vital information out of the public domain that what ends up in the hands of the public is diluted to the point of uselessness. I can understand your frustration. I can only tell you that there are people who know about these things, but only 15 knows about the larger reality of what we've touched on tonight. In other words, and this is to your point, Sarah, there are some people within the military, government, secret network, NSA, CIA, etc. that know parts of the whole But they don't understand the whole. They aren't equipped with the knowledge to stand before the media and explain what's happening. They fear that they would be made to appear feeble by the fact that they only know pieces of what's going on. It's like the story of the three blind men who are all touching different parts of an elephant and each thinks it's something different. 15 withholds his knowledge from the media and the general public because he doesn't want to be seen as a savior of humanity, the next messiah. And he especially doesn't want to be seen as some fringe lunatic that should be locked up or, worse yet, assassinated because he is so misunderstood. The instant he stepped forward with what he knows, he would lose his privacy and his ability to discover BST. And this he'll never do. Most people who know about the greater reality are fearful of stepping into the public scrutiny because of the fear of being ridiculed. You have to admit that the general public is frightened by what it doesn't understand. And they do kill the messenger why can't we even get partial truths about this picture of reality uh, about ETs and the Federation someone, the media or government or someone else is keeping this information from us like the story you were telling me about the Martians if this is true and Clinton knows about this why aren't we being told there's a cynical part of me that would say something like why do you watch six hours of television every day why do you feed your minds exclusively with the opinions of others Why do you trust your politicians? Why do you trust your governments? Why do you support the destruction of your ecosystems and the companies and governments that perpetrate this destruction? You see, because the whole of humanity allows these things to occur, the wool is pulled over your eyes and it's easy to ration information and direct your attention to mundane affairs like the weather and Hollywood. Well, that's fine for you to say, someone whose IQ can't be charted. But for those of us with average intelligence, what are we supposed to do differently that would give us access to this information, to this larger reality? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't pretend to have the answers. But somehow humans need to be more demanding of their governments and even the media, because the media is a big part of this manipulation, though they're not aware of how they've become pawns of the information cover-up. The truth of the matter is that no one entity is to blame. Elitists have always existed since the dawn of man. There have always been those who have more aggression and power and would dominate the weaker of the species. This is the fundamental structure that has bred this condition of information cover-up, and it happens in every sector of society, including religion, government, military, science, academia, and business. No one created this playing field to be level and equal for all. It was designed to enable free will and reality, selection based on individual preferences. And for those who have the mental capacity to probe into these secrets behind the secrets behind the secrets, they usually find pieces of this larger reality, as you put it. It's not entirely hidden. There are books and individuals and even prophecies that corroborate much of what I've spoken of here tonight. And these are readily available to anyone who wants to understand this larger universe in which we live. So to answer your question... What are we supposed to do differently? I would read and study. I would invest time learning about this larger universe and turn off the television and disconnect from the media. That's what I would do. Maybe this is a good place to wrap things up unless you have anything else you'd like to add. Only one thing, and that is that if anyone ever hears this interview, please do so with an empty mind. If you bring up mind full of learning and education and opinion, you'll find so much to argue with in what I've said that you'll not hear anything. And I'm not interested in arguing with anyone. I'm not even that interested in convincing anyone of what I've said. My life will go on even if no one believes me. The Wingmakers have built a time capsule of their culture and its magnificent. I wish I could take people to the original site so they could stand before each of the 23 chambers and witness these wall paintings in person. If you were to do this, you would understand that art can be a portal that transports the soul to a different dimension. There is a certain energy that these paintings have that can't be translated in mere photographs. You really need to stand inside these chambers and feel the purposeful nature of this time capsule. I think if I could do that, you would believe what I've said. Could you take someone like me to the site? No. Unfortunately, the security system surrounding this site is so fascistical sophisticated. The site entrance, for all intents and purposes, is invisible. All I have are my photographs. You're saying that if I walked right up to the site I wouldn't be able to see it. Cloaking technology is not just a science fiction concept. It's been developed for more than 10 years. It's used much more frequently than people realize. And I'm not talking about a diluted version of stealth technology. I'm talking about the ability to superimpose a reality construction over an existing reality that's desired to be hidden. For instance, you could walk right up to the entrance of the Ancient Arrow site and see nothing that would look like an entrance or opening. To the observer, it would be a flat wall of rock, and it would have all the characteristics of rock, texture, hardness, and so forth but it's actually a reality construction that is superimposed on the mind of the, of the observer. In reality, the entrance is there, but it can't be observed because the mind has been duped into the projected reality construction. Great. So there's no way to enter this site and experience this time capsule. So once again, us little humans are prevented from the experience of proof. You see, the reason why this is so hard to believe is that, is that nothing is ever proven. But isn't proof in the eye of the beholder? In other words, what is proof for you may not convince another or vice versa. Isn't this the way of all religions and even science? Scientists claim to have proof of this theory or that theory, and then some years later, another scientist comes along and disproves a previously held theory, and on and on this goes. So what's your point? Proof is not absolute. It's not even objective. And what you're looking for is an experience that is permanent and perfect in its expression of truth. And such an experience, if it indeed exists, is not owned or possessed by any secret network or elitist organization or galactic federation for that matter. You could have this experience of absolute proof tomorrow, and the very next day doubt would begin to creep in. And in a matter of weeks or months, this proof or absolute truth that you aspire to possess, it would just be a memory. And probably not even a powerful memory, because so much doubt would be infused into it. No, I can't give you or anyone absolute proof. I can only tell you what uh, I know to be true for me and try to share it as accurately as I know how with anyone who's interested. I'm less interested in trying to relate the cosmology of the universe than I am in getting the story of the Wingmakers and the artifacts of their time capsule into the public attention. The public should know about this story. It's a discovery of unparalleled importance and it should be shared. You do realize, don't you, that you've made me the messenger? You've asked me to be the one who takes the public scrutiny and suspicions and has to endure all the ridicule. I'm not asking you to do anything against your will, Sarah. If you never do anything with the materials I've given you, I understand. All I'd ask is that you return them to me if you're not going to get them out. If I step forward as the messenger, I would lose my freedom. If you step forward, the story could catapult your career, and you're only doing your job. You're not the messenger. You're the transmitter the media, but you must do what you think best, and I'd understand your decision whatever you decide. Okay, let's wrap it up there. I don't want you to get the wrong impression that I'm a total disbeliever, but I'm a journalist, and it's my responsibility to validate and cross-check stories before I publish them, and with you, I can't do this, and what you're telling me, if it's true, is the biggest story ever to be told, but I can't take this to the media, at least not the company I work for, because they would never publish it. No validation, no story. Yes, I understand. But I've shown you some of the ACIO technologies and photos of the site and its content, so these must be some form of validation. For me, it validates that something is going on that I've never heard about. Namely, the ACIO is a new organization that's never been talked about, at least not in my journal circles. But your photographs and stories don't validate what you've explained tonight. They're in the category of teasers, something the National Enquirer is fond of broadcasting, but this isn't the brand of journalism I subscribe to. Let's talk some more in the next few days. Take the time to read some of the materials translated from the optical disc, and in the meantime, just be neutral, okay? Don't assume I'm not interested or too much of a skeptic to do anything with this stuff. I just need some time to get my bearings as to what I should do with this story and the evidence you've provided. I promised you several interviews before I left. Are we still on for tomorrow night? Yes. But how much more is there than what you've already explained? We've only touched on the surface of a small portion of the story. That's a little hard to believe, but let's pick up tomorrow night then. Thanks for your interest in my story, Sarah. I know it sounds outlandish, but at least you've shown restraint in writing me off as a lunatic. and For that, you have my thanks. You're very welcome. End of session 1. And the end of interview 1 of the Naruda interviews. This has been another broadcast of The Urban Shaman Speaks with your Urban Shaman Alex Rutland. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. Until next time, step outside the illusions of time space and even this matrix reality and seek the truth within.